I want to bring you something from God's Word this Palm Sunday. I want to read to you a prophecy and the fulfillment of it. Concerning Jesus the Messiah, the Old Testament is a promise book. Promises made. But in the New Testament, it's promises kept. Promises made. Promises kept. There are, there's a movement today to divorce the Old Testament completely from the New Testament. Because they say that's not relevant anymore. All that's Old Covenant stuff. And that's very, very wrong. Jesus continually quoted the Old Covenant to justify and qualify himself as the Messiah. Amen. That it might be fulfilled, he would say. That was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah. He did this. He did that. So this movement, and there's a lot of movements to mess with the word. Uh, and we need to quit messing with the word. We need to start standing on the word, believing the word, and living the word in our life. Amen. So I'm going to talk about Jesus the lion and the lamb, like we were discussing earlier, but mainly the donkey and the white horse. The donkey and the white horse. We need to focus on Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, as it's called, Palm Sunday, riding upon a donkey. But we don't need to stay focused on Jesus riding on the donkey. Can you agree with that today? If you stay focused on Jesus on the donkey, you get this image of the God that you need help from so bad. Lowly, Jesus, meek, and mild. The Jesus that is coming back is not riding on the donkey. He is not lowly. He's high and lifted up. He is not coming to humble himself and let people torture him and kill him. He's coming to judge the wicked and take care of his bride. Can you say amen? amen. So let me just, everybody, listen, both, both of the horse, the white horse and the donkey are carrying the same rider in Scripture. But the rider on the donkey has a different mission than the rider on the white horse. Amen? The man is the same, Christ. But the mission is different. So if we don't... It's kind of like Jesus in the manger at Christmas. If you stay focused on the sweetness and purity of the babe in the manger, that baby in the manger could save nobody. Unless that baby grew up and got out of that cradle and went to that cross. Can you say amen? amen? No salvation in a pure baby, though it was God in flesh. No, no salvation without his shed blood on the cross. So focusing on the cradle at Christmas is not where the focus ought to stay. It ought to go from the cradle to the cross and from the cross to the resurrection. And from the resurrection to the ascension. And from the ascension until the soon coming of Jesus. Hallelujah. Palm Sunday. Let, let's, re, let's read the prophecy in Zechariah 9 and verse 9. It said, Rejoice greatly, 
O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on an ass and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. Now let me read uh, the, the scripture. Well, for time's sake, it Matthew 21, right? Or am I in Matthew 21? Did I? Did I? I'm out of Zechariah. Yeah, we're out of Zechariah now. We're going somewhere else. And when they drew nigh to Jerusalem, they were come to Bethlehem. You know where they went. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is a hard one for me to, to hyphenate and pronounce. Bethlehem. Yeah. And to the Mount of Olives. Then sent Jesus' disciples, saying, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you will find an ass tied and a colt, just like the prophecy hundreds of years before. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man ought unto you, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, thy king cometh unto thee meek, sitting upon an ass, and the colt, the foal of an ass. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just like the prophecy said. He said, do this to fulfill it to the letter. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That's Palm Sunday as we know it today. But it started with the Feast of Tabernacles. That's where the palms were first used. He told them specifically during the Feast of the Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, go and cut down limbs from those particular palm trees. And, and when you celebrate, wave those palms. Have you ever heard the song, Palms of Victory? Crowns of glory, palms of victory we shall wear. Glory be to God. Palm Sunday. They brought those palms and they laid them down and they said, Hosanna. Hosanna literally means in the Greek, it means help God. It's a plea, but it's also a praise simultaneously. It also means God our help. So while pleading for help, they are also acknowledging God is our help. Can you say amen? Hosanna in the highest. Problem was, they thought he was coming to release them, lead them in war against Rome and win that war and give them freedom from the tyranny of Rome. And they, were, they got angry at him. Some of the people that cried Hosanna when they saw him on the cross dying, they felt like they had been let down, that God had let them down. This, this is not the Messiah that's going to set us free. He came to bring them a different kind of freedom to set them free from the tyranny of Satan and from the destructive force of sin. And he had to go to the cross to do that. 
your king comes to you on a donkey. It wasn't just a matter of his humility. He was lowly. He was humble. But when a king came on a donkey, it meant he came in peace to make peace. When he came on a white horse, it meant he had come to make war and to conquer. There's a vast difference in the donkey and the white stallion. Can you say, man, the same man, but a different mission altogether. And thank God for Jesus on the donkey, humbling himself, taking on himself the form of a servant, becoming obedient even to the death of the cross. We ought to focus on that, but we shouldn't stay focused on that because Jesus will never, ever be on that mission again. You know why? Because that mission was accomplished. And when he comes again, he's not coming to be, be, he's not coming to give himself over to men and let them do what they will. He's coming to judge the earth. And it's an entirely different focus, an entirely different vision of Jesus than Jesus on the donkey. It's just like Jesus in the manger. People get all sentimental about that. And that's good. But most of the focus of Christmas is the little helpless baby in the manger. And if you don't grow out of that, that's all it is. It's a little baby in a manger. A little baby in a manger can't save you. A little baby in a manger can't save me. If he didn't grow to manhood, if he didn't go to the cross without the shedding of blood, there's no sacrifice for sin. Can you say, man, if he didn't rise from the dead for our justification, then we are yet in our sins and our faith is vain and the dead are not raised and the gospel is a lie. But if he did, it's all true. And thank God he did. Glory to God. All right. A king on a donkey in ancient time meant he's coming to make peace. They thought he came to make war against Rome. They misunderstood his mission he was headed to the cross. Little, little something here that you don't want to miss. You know where he went directly from all the hosannas? You know where he went? He went to the temple. He found a bunch of money changers in there. When we went to Haiti, we changed our American money. I don't know if you go back home, you, you have to go somewhere and change the money. You have to trust that the person that's changing it is going to give you the correct amount for the American dollars you're giving them. So we turned over our American dollars so that we could have currency we could spend in Haiti when we went on the, in Jamaica and Haiti. And we had to trust that the person exchanging that would give us the value of that American dollar in the Haitian dollar or the Jamaican dollar. Money changers were in the temple and evidently, they, number one, they shouldn't be in there because he said, my house should be called a house of prayer. And Jesus did something that's out of character for that meek, lowly man sitting on the donkey. He braided a rope. This is right there in the same context. He braided a rope into a whip. It was premeditated. He didn't have a temper tantrum. Amen. You know what the wrath of God is? The justifiable anger. And it was justified when he saw what church had become, what the temple had become. My house shall be called a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves. They would take money for that exchange 
and they would give them less than the worth of the money that was being exchanged. And so he made a whip. And if you think he was lowly, Jesus, meek and mild, these were, (laughs) he kicked over the money table. He had a whip in his hand. He was so intimidating, he didn't have to whip them jaybirds. Did it say jaybirds in there? Anyway, that maybe I added that. Amen? But he was ready to whip them. He said, you get out of here. This is my father's house, and you've turned it into a den of thieves. Now, don't get me started on the get rich gospel today, where people are just milking, 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 God's people milking and milking and milking and milking, ever getting and never having enough. Trying to stand up and preach godliness with contentment is great gain when they're so discontent they never get enough. Five airplanes is not enough. I need another one. A $3 million mansion is not enough. I need a bigger one. Five bathrooms are not enough. I need six. Somebody's got a problem. Somebody needs some Pepto-Bismol. Can you say, man, maybe it's cheaper to get Pepto-Bismol or milk of magnesia or what's the other one? Black. You know what the other one. <laughs> hey, hey, every, everybody our age knows the names of all of these products. <laughs> Can you say, man, <laughs> hallelujah. You've made it a den of thieves. And you know who supports the thieves? God's people. God's people send it in by the, because they are caught up in the same avarice, the same materialism that those people are. They give to get. And I, I, I expect a return when I give. But I'm not really giving to get. I'm giving because I love the Lord and I want to see souls saved. Can you say amen? And if there was no Fold return. In some places, they actually tax your giving in some countries. Thank God here you can, you can get a break on your income tax by giving. I'm still waiting on some millionaire that don't want to give it to Uncle Sam and just gives it to us. Anyway, moving right along. We'll see what we can do with that. So I'm, I'm hoping Mike will surely uh, get into stocks and bonds. Not these kind. Those kind. Amen. <laughs> King on a donkey means he's coming in peace, but don't let that fool you. He never quit being God. Don't think they forced him to the cross. He went willingly. He was obedient to the death of the cross. King on the white stallion was a symbol of a conquering king who had defeated an enemy. Jesus on a donkey, humbling himself to let them nail him to the cross. Jesus, same Jesus, on a white horse, returning to rule and reign and make war and judge the wicked. That's the Jesus that's going to come. That's the Jesus that is standing and making intercession. That's the Jesus now that has been raised from the dead and glorified. Hallelujah. That's the Jesus that said, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will go with you all the way. So if you're looking for that, that pale, emaciated Jesus that allowed them to lead him as a lamb dumb before his shears to the slaughter, that's not the Jesus that you're dealing with, and that's not the Jesus that the world is going to have to deal with when he returns. 
Everybody say, lowly Jesus, meek and mild. Thank God he took on that took on that persona in order to go to the cross and bear our sins. But thank God he's not like that anymore because a meek and mild Jesus is not who's returning. Amen. John heard a voice behind him. He looked behind at this voice and it was so powerful in as the beginning of the book of Revelation. And he said, he said, I turned to see who this powerful person was. He saw Christ and his hair was as wool. His eyes were as a flame of fire, righteous indignation, wrath, justifiable anger. His feet as burnished brass, a robe down to the foot. He saw him as the judge of the wicked. He didn't see him as the savior of the world. And the Bible said that, that when, when the world sees him that way, when he returns, they're going to mourn because of him. They're not going to be glad to see him. Amen. And the rich men, the poor men, the great men, the small men will cry unto the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and cover them from the face of him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb. This kind of pablum gospel is not the gospel of the Bible. This watered down version of the judgment to come doesn't cause anyone to tremble, but it ought to cause everyone to tremble. There's no fear of the Lord before their eyes in the old covenant. It said that's why they went on deeper into sin. They quit respecting the fact that God will judge the wicked. And that Jesus is not coming back like he entered Jerusalem. He's coming back different. Look with me at Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. It said, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. Everybody say a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes, here's another verification, are as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he hath a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called, this is a different Jesus than came into Jerusalem. Can you agree? A lot of people want him to stay that Jesus because we don't have to respect that Jesus so much. They didn't. They could do him any old way. And there's, he just kept saying, Father, forgive them. But the Bible said it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. That means to face him as your judge and not your savior. It's a fearful thing. And when there's no fear of the Lord before their eyes... They go deeper into sin because they feel like and they bought the lie that the devil has told them. This is a different, this is a different Palm Sunday. We're not playing that little Sunday school thing. You've been through that in Sunday school. You're not in Sunday school anymore. You're in church this morning. You're in the last of the last days. Amen. Jesus is coming very soon and there's no time to play the little Sunday school games. Many churches are doing what they've done 
year after year after year. They're still looking at Jesus on the donkey instead of Jesus on the white stallion. And there's no fear of the Lord. Go out on Saturday night and live it up. Come and sing in the choir on Sunday morning. Go out Saturday night and drink it up. And come in and teach Sunday school on Sunday morning. When there's no fear of the Lord. When there's no fear of the Lord. That deep respect with reverence and awe and affection. You see, if you know Him, you can have that deep You don't dread Him. But you don't play the church game. Because it's a losing game. Somebody needs to get us where we need to be. And that's off the donkey. Jesus off the donkey. And onto the stallion. Jesus out of the cradle. And raised from the dead after the cross. Can you say amen? Now I see we're not making everybody happy. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to instruct you in the word of God today. Whatever you expect. I look for palm fronds. I really look and see if I could buy some palm fronds. Just you know. So we could all wave them while we sing that Hosanna song. That's, that's fun. That's fun. I didn't find palm fronds. You'll have to wave your hand like that. Palm fronds. Can you say man, Brother Taylor, that was just a quip I put in. We play with things that are holy. Because we view Jesus on the donkey. And we don't see him like John saw him. After the resurrection on the Isle of Patmos, I turned to see this powerful voice speaking to me. His hair was as wool. His eyes were as a flame of fire. His feet were as burnished brass. He was clothed with a robe down to the foot. He had on a golden belt. And he said to him, I am he that liveth. I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. And the things I say to you, I want you to write down. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And that's the book of Revelation, and that's who gave it to him. It wasn't the Jesus on the donkey. It was Jesus on the throne. Jesus with many crowns. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, cleaned in white. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron." And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That's not the Jesus that rode into Jerusalem. That's the Jesus that is coming again. Can you say, man? Look with me at Isaiah 63, verse 1 through 4, prophecy fulfilled. Isaiah 63, who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, 
traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speaketh in righteousness mighty to save. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth the wine vat? That means stained. I've trodden the winepress alone, and of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Who is this that is coming from Basra, and his garments stained with blood? There's a star behind, beside verse 3 in a study Bible because that means it's prophetic of the Messiah. This is in the context of Jesus, not on the donkey. Why don't we hear about this Jesus? This is one we're going to have to deal with. This is the one we're dealing with right now. So where are the palm fronds and why are we not, where are some chocolate bunnies and where, why are we not having more fun on Palm Sunday? Because Jesus is coming soon. He's coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing, but that it should be holy. Amen. And the call of God is to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and, 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 and you shall be, I'll be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord, as it is written, I will live in them, and I will walk in them. The next chapter carries the thought and said, Dearly beloved, having these promises that God just gave, if we will be sanctified and separated unto Him, hallelujah, we ought to perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. But when the fear of the Lord is not present, what happens? Amen. People wander into sin and believe there's no consequences. And they're Christians that are only Christian when they appear to be on Sunday, if they even bother to show up anywhere. Forsake not the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It's not a suggestion. It is not God begging someone to be here. It's God telling us to be here. You say, well, that's an Old Testament Sabbath. Well, the church of the New Covenant said, we're, going to, we're, we're not under the law, but out of reverence for him and out of gratitude to him, we're going to set a day that's, that, that we're, not going to, we're not going to be like the greedy, avarice world. Amen. We're going to set a day. Thank God for Chick-fil-A. God is blessing them going out and coming in. They close on Sunday, said you can either go to church, you can be with your family. And all of the marketing people have advised them, don't you, don't you close. You're going to lose millions of dollars. They close anyway out of honor for the Lord. And that's what the early church did. Amen. They set aside a day to honor God and to thank God and to say, we're not like this whole greedy, uh, avarice world out here. We're different, praise God. Amen. Thank God for Hobby Lobby who said they believe in marriage between one woman and one man and Chick-fil-A and lost business. But God blessed them in spite of the business they lost. Hallelujah. Thank God for Christians who really set their heart to obey God today. 
We can't keep playing this game. We can't keep, we can't stay baby Christians in, in, in bassinets. We can't keep rehearsing that Sunday school lesson every, every holiday and miss the holy day that it really is. There are people going to be in Disney World on Easter that are Christian. You know they are. They've done it before. They'll do it again because it's not a holy day. It's not holy. People at Christmas are going to be caught up in the commercialism of Christmas instead of the deep worship of God for sending His Son because it's no longer a holy day. People are more focused in the political part of the church. Christians are more enthusiastic over the second coming of Trump than the second coming of Christ. And you know it's the truth. They get their temperature up. They're ready to go to war. Amen. Listen. We need to be outspoken. We need a conservative in office. But we need not believe that will take the place of a revival in America. Who are you going to put in there? Who's going to... What, which, one of those, which one of those guys are going to... Make us great. Which one of those guys? You know, oh, well, I like this guy. You can like anybody you want. I'm talking somebody can make a difference. I'm not talking about a personality. Somebody say Jesus with you. When you give up on revival, the only thing you can do is use the political forces. And so many people have given up on revival that they're not even looking for a move of God in this nation. So many preachers are preaching more uh, over in the political realm. We're going to change it if we get enough conservatives. We didn't last time we had them in there when we had that. We didn't change it. It's the same old corrupt world. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith God. And quit touching. Quit playing footsies with the devil. Quit touching the unclean thing. What is the unclean thing? You know what it is. Don't get me started. Can you say man? Hallelujah. There comes a point when you say enough. I belong to God. I, I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's bride and He's my groom. Hallelujah. And I'm a spouse to one husband and I'm going to serve Him that I might be a chaste virgin. Instead of, amen. Instead of, don't make me use the bad words like the Bible does. So we're going to have a little extension of the Sunday school class or we're going to have church. Are we going to be ready for the coming of our king? Or are we going to be, when he comes out there playing footsies with the devil, identifying more with the devil's crowd than God's people? I don't have that message. I've never had it. I don't have it this morning. When God's people would rather play than pray. No wonder the world and our nation is in the shape it's in. If my people, which are called by my name, would quit playing and start praying, can you say amen? amen. Would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. That's repentance on our part. I will hear from heaven. 
I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven. And I will heal your land. Can you say amen? So the responsibility for the mess we're in is laid squarely at the foot of the church and of the Christian community and of the pulpit and of the preacher. But there's not going to be no blood on my hands when I stand before God. If you miss heaven, if you miss the rapture, your blood's not going to be on my hands. Can you say amen? Because if you come in, oh yeah, they, they stay away in droves, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to change. Brother Vimbo, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because I'm going to answer to God for your soul. <laughs> and, and I believe what Paul said, I've not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am pure from the blood of all men. You know where he heard that scripture from Ezekiel? Ezekiel, son of man, I've made you a watchman over Israel. If you see the enemy coming, you fail to warn my people. And they're destroyed. Their blood will I require at your hand. On the other hand, if you see the enemy coming and you warn my people and they don't listen and they're still destroyed, I will not require it of you. Amen? I don't want to stand before God and say somebody went to hell because I didn't tell them there was a hell. And there's a lot of preachers won't even preach on it, mention it, and don't even really believe in it anymore. But that doesn't change the fact that it exists and there are people there. And Jesus heard the sounds of it, described it in detail to all of us today. You say, Brother Bumble, why would a loving God send anybody there? He don't want anybody to go there. In fact, they've had to add, talk about building heaven for us. They had to add on to hell. Hell hath enlarged yes, itself. Open the mouth without measure. Open the mouth without measure. Yes. Amen. Amen. To, to, to receive the multitudes that are going to be there eternally. Where is that message? If it's in the book, if it's true, where is it? We dare not preach it because they won't come. They won't give to our projects. They won't keep us living in the lap of luxury that we're used to. So let's give them what they want instead of what they need. So what are we going to do on Palm Sunday? Are we going to have a rehearsing of what we already knew in Sunday school? Are we still Sunday school students? Are we still looking for the Jesus that's riding on the donkey lowly? Are we looking for the Jesus that's on the stallion coming to judge? The Bible said in the book of Revelation that the great men, the small, the rich, the poor, and all the in-between cried for the rocks and mountains to fall up and to cover them and hide them from the face of him. That's, why? Because his eyes are a flame of fire. That sits upon the throne. Now here's, here's a paradox. But this is the paradox we're going to get today as we close. And from the wrath of the Lamb. Who, who is afraid of a slain Lamb? Well, you see, when He became the Lamb of God, 
He rose as the lion of Judah. Amen. He that was the lamb of God concerning our salvation is the lion of Judah concerning our victory today. And it is not the lamb that is defending me. It's the lamb that saved me. But the lion is the one who is defending me and defending you today. If you think you can't be kept by the power of God, you need to get a good look at the lion of the tribe of Judah. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Verse 4 of Isaiah 63, For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and, and the year of my redeemed is come. Same man on the donkey is the same man on the white horse, but it's a different mission. First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6, Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now what's he going to do when he comes again to judge the earth? Is it going to be like he rode into Jerusalem? Listen, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. That's a lot different than the vision that people are getting on Palm Sunday of Jesus. Lowly Jesus, meek and mild. No one is going to hell. Everyone will certainly end up in heaven. Just pick your, pick your route. If you're a good Muslim, you'll be there. If, if, whatever you want to, just choose your religion. If you're a good, good Buddhist, you'll be there. Preachers are saying that publicly on television. Don't seem to bother us because they mention Jesus every now and then as one of the many ways to God. No, He's not one of many. He's the only way. I'm glad for the preachers stood up on television when asked the question, don't you think it is prideful of Jesus to say that He's the only way to God? And He said, not if it's true. Not if it's true. It's not about pride. It's about truth. This is not about inclusion. This is about exclusion. Amen. Hallelujah. There's one God. One mediator between God and man. The Lord Jesus Christ. No other name, Brother Taylor. No other name. No other name. It's clear in Scripture what's wrong with us. What's wrong with the ministry today. What's wrong with leadership today? No other name given under heaven to men by which we must be saved. Can you say that's exclusion, isn't it? That doesn't fit the narrative. That doesn't fit the, the inclusion of, of all the world. A world religion is coming because of that kind of compromise. And it will lead to a world religion. It will lead to a false prophet leading that world religion. And all the pieces of it are in place right now. If I were you, I'd want to live holier now than I've ever lived in all of my life. Because Jesus is coming for a bride. Hallelujah. Amen. If I were you, I would consider what the unclean thing is that we're not to be touching as his holy bride. 
Amen. I would consider. I would consider that. I would consider it today. Hallelujah. Brother Bimba, you getting on our case? No, I'm just telling you what the Bible said. You can do what you want to do. In fact, you're going to do what you want to do. I'm just praying at some point you'll want to do what God says you ought to do. Can you say amen? But you'll never know what you ought to do unless somebody lays it down. Praise God, I'm laying it down today. I want to see you saved. I want to see you sanctified. I want to see you with a prayer life that works. I want to see you with the joy of the Lord back because you're not touching the unclean stuff. And that doesn't mean not having fun. Amen. Thank God pumpkin pie is not unclean. And coffee is not strong drink. <laughs> Hallelujah. And whipped cream. I know. Give me a fist bump. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. I mean, I looked up some of this unclean stuff. And thank God God has sanctified pork chops. Hallelujah. <laughs> and barbecue. Amen. But me and you both know there's things that we need to keep away from as God's holy people as a chaste virgin unto Christ. Hallelujah. The king on the donkey held his peace, allowed them to torture and kill him. But the king, listen to, listen to Isaiah 53, 7, speaking of him on that donkey, going to that cross. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. But look at the king on the white horse. Revelation 19.15 And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he shall smite the nations, and with it he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of God. Who is this that cometh from Bothra? Amen. Basra with his garments stained with blood because he's been trampling the wine press and all of that has been staining his garment. Listen, if you're expecting, if you're expecting the Jesus who rode the donkey to return, the lamb to be slaughtered, that held his peace, amen, as a lamb for the slaughter, you're expecting the wrong Jesus. You're dealing with the wrong Jesus. He's now the lion who rules, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the mighty God who, listen, roars out of Zion. Joel 3.16, we're almost done. And this is when he does it to protect his people. A mother lion robbed of her babies. If you ever meet, a, don't ever try to steal a lion cub because it's cuddly from a mama lion. Can you say amen? Don't ever try to steal a cuddly little lion cub from a mama lion because she's going to roar. That's just a warning that she's coming for you. Can you say amen? And what's the Lord going to do concerning his people in Joel 3 and verse 16? The Lord shall also roar. Say it with me. Roar. roar. I'm going to say it loud. Roar. Can you make a line sound? Roar out of Zion. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember when we used to go to the Super Test Amusement Park? 
They had some lions in cages. If you got there around twilight, it was feeding time. And those lions in those cages were roaring. And the roar, you could almost feel the ground reverberate. It was so deep and it was so loud. Satan goeth about as a roaring lion. It means hungry, wanting to devour. Seeking whom he may devour. But he's the fake lion. He has power, but Jesus has all power. And when Jesus roars out of Zion, what happens? The Lord shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice out of his mouth. What a sharp two-edged sword. And with it, he will judge the nations. And the Lord will be the hope of his people. Why is he roaring out? So that he can take care of his own. Praise God. And the strength of the children of Israel. Glory to God. Amen. King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise the Lord. Revelation 7, 9. After this I looked and there was before me a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. The palms branches were symbolic of victory and tokens of triumph. Tokens of triumph and symbolic of victory. When God roars out of Zion, it's going to occur in the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. People will so fear what him more than the, all of the cataclysmic plagues that they cry for rocks and mountains to fall on them. Can you imagine something so terrifying you'd want a boulder to mash you to smithereens rather than look at the face of him? If if you're looking at the Jesus, if you still want to stay in Sunday school in the last days with the coming of the Lord nigh, Do you want the Jesus on the donkey to take care of you? Or you want the Jesus on the white stallion? Do you want the fat baby with the wings at Valentine's Day? Or you want that mighty warrior angel? (laughs) I I don't want no fat baby with wings. I need some help down here. Can you say amen? I want the one with the mighty sword. I want the one, amen, that Daniel saw. And it said his knees smoked one against another. Praise God. And he fell down as a dead man. And he had to take him by the belt. And Yeah, I know it looked pretty funny. I know you would find it funny. Amen. <laughs> I don't do that very often. People looking sad like you, like you lost your dog, your pickup truck broke down. Listen, you need to get a hold of this today. You live right, you live right, you live right, and you won't have to worry about this. Live for God, hallelujah. And you won't have to hang your head on Sunday morning. Live for God, and you can worship God in spirit and in truth, and you can look for the soon coming of Jesus. Hallelujah. God will what? He will roar out of Zion, bring salvation to his people, judgment to the world. It's about to happen. That when he roars, the whole earth shakes. 
the whole earth shakes. The whole earth shakes. If you don't believe the line of Judah's roaring, man's systems like a mighty earthquake that is global. Man's systems are shaking. Many of them are failing. Many of them are falling. And all of them, the financial systems, the medical systems, in light of the plague and the pestilence, all of them are teetering. And none of them are solid. And that's why we need to be kept by the power of God. Not by just a dogma and a creed that is correct. By the person himself. Can you say man? He said when he roars out of Zion. The whole earth is shaken. Earthquakes in diverse places. The whole earth is groaning. For what? The manifestation of the sons of God. Because the wicked have had it their way. Way too long. Hallelujah. And it's time for a mighty change. So if the whole, all the systems of man are shaking and your, your, your focus and your faith is in those systems, you're going to shake with them. But if you understand God is doing the shaking and everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken might remain. And that that cannot be shaken is the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God. Nevertheless, the kingdom of God standeth sure having this seal, the Lord knows them that are His. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Praise God. I don't know about you, but I want to be counted among the righteous today. I want to be persecuted. I don't care if they ostracize me. I need what only God can give me today. I'm not trying to fit in at work. I'm not trying to fit in with the crowd. I do not want to run with the crowd. I don't want to be found with that crowd when he comes. I want to go to heaven. And I need his help here until I go to heaven. 